My name is Mimi Bouchard, and I'm a personal development junkie that is here to help you transform your life so that you can truly tap into your ultimate potential. I'm a meditation teacher and a podcaster, and in this podcast, I am raw, I am real, and I share everything I possibly can to make this journey of self-discovery and transformation easier for you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today's special guest is Kayla Barnes. You might have seen her on Instagram. She has an amazing Instagram account with just so much inspiration, motivation, and knowledge. Um, You post these quotes pretty much every day that you write, these pieces of of text that you write. And I see them reshared all the time. And you've grown your account so quickly because you're putting out incredible content. So thank you, Kayla, for coming on the show. I can't wait to pick your brain. Um, quite literally, because you are a certified braid, certified brain health coach, and you're all about biohacking and brain health. So I cannot wait to dive into all that with you. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's dive right in. How did you get into this brain health space? It's such an interesting niche um, you know, business to be working in. How did you get into it? Like, what was the initial interest that sparked, uh, you know, learning more about the brain? Yeah, it is. It is a very niche area, and it's been actually quite surprising that so many people online are now getting really interested in brain health. So it's a really exciting time for sure. But I was always interested in functional medicine and nutrition. I studied nutrition um, in school and I suffered from a lot of my own kind of health ailments as many of us in the health practitioner field do. So I wanted to find out the root cause. You know, I'm really into root cause medicine and um, I started just diving deep into how I could kind of heal myself And along that journey, um, you know, when you want to optimize your health, you also want to optimize your brain because your brain is involved in everything that you do. It's backed by science that a healthier brain leads to more success in life, a happier life. Um, Every single area, our thoughts are all controlled by our brain. So as I was physically feeling better, I still had a lot of work to do. And, you know, I'm kind of talking about this a little bit more now, but Um, I grew up in a pretty traumatic household, so I knew that if I wanted to get to where I wanted to be in life, I was going to have to work on my brain health, not only the physical health of my brain, because when our physical health of our brain, like the blood flow and, and the structure of the brain are better, we have better control over our thoughts. But at the same point, I wanted to upgrade, you know, my mindset and kind of work on how some of the neural networks in my brain, and I'm sure we'll dive into neuroplasticity and how the way that we, you know, kind of think continues will continue in that way. So it was really twofold. It was really the fact that I was interested in upgrading the health of my brain, but also the way I was thinking and my mood and emotions. And so I found Dr. Daniel Amen, who has really revolutionized psychiatry. So um, prior to a lot of his work, you would take a really standardized set of questions, a test um, in psychiatry, and then you would be either, you know, given some sort of treatment plan. Many times it would be um, a prescription and then you were kind of on your way. 
But what he said is, why aren't we looking at the brain? Every other area of medicine, when you work on an organ, you're looking at the organ. If you're having heart problems, you're going to take a look at what's going on in the heart. And the brain and psychiatry was really the only area in which that wasn't happening. So he started doing something called a spec scan, which is actually primarily a measure of blood flow in the brain so that you can get a better picture as to what's going on. And I think now more than ever, it's so incredibly important that we focus on the brain because um, depression is the number one disability worldwide. And we have so much more control over the way that we feel than we might think that we do. And of course, in no way am I advocating for people not to be on medication. I think there's a place and a time that it can be really helpful. Um, but if we focus on our brain first, everything else in life gets better. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great way of, of putting it. And not many people think about brain health. And it is, like you said, just such a massive, massive part of health. And it is an epidemic that most humans are have low mental health. They have bad mental health, especially in Western places. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people struggle with depression and anxiety so much? It's so multifaceted, um, absolutely. But there are so many things in our current ecosystem that are not health promoting. So we can start with, and these are some of the pillars of brain health as well. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, our food system, it is so substantially been downgraded, whereas now we have all of these chemicals in our food and a lot of processed food. And the majority of the, you know, American diet, also known as the SAD diet or the standard American diet, is not health promoting. And so when we have all of these inflammatory oils and uh, substances and processed foods, our brain is only about two to three pounds, but it uses 20 to 30% of our energy every day. So it's a really, really energy consumptive organ. So if you're thinking about what you're putting into your mouth is so much more than just calories. It's information for your cells. It's what your energy will be made from. It, it's what everything in your body will run off of. So if you're fueling your body with Doritos and Twinkies and processed foods and you're on the go all the time, then that's what your brain is going to run off of. I would rather be, you know, fueled by like grass fed steak and like wild blueberries or something because that's going to give so much better information to the brain. Also, um, you know, we've gotten away from things like healthy fats. Our brain is mostly fat and water. So we need these healthy fats like avocado, olive oil, um, to make sure that our brains work at, um, you know, top performance. So food is a major, major component. And I talk about it a lot on my channel. And we'll talk a little bit about the brain health diet real quick, just so people That's have some mean. actionable takeaways. Um, Brain health diet, of course, we want to completely eliminate all processed foods if possible. Really shop in the perimeter of the grocery store because that's where you're going to find the fresh foods. We want to be eating foods that are just an ingredient, not a whole list of ingredients. If you don't know what's in the food, I try to steer clear of that. So we want whole foods that are super nutritious. We want to stay as low glycemic as we can. So where we're at in society right now with sugar intake is 
absolutely obscene. Not only is it being consumed in the form of desserts and things of that nature, but sugar is also snuck into so many products like ketchup or sauces, things that we don't even realize, or, you know, a Starbucks drink that someone may be consuming with, you know, the entire weeks of sugar in one beverage. And and it's just not something that's necessarily on top of mind. So sugar can be inflammatory as can, of course, these processed foods. So we just want to keep those to an extreme minimum or eliminate them if possible. Also, uh, things like dark leafy greens are incredible for brain health, wild-caught salmon, um, and these fattier fishes because the fat is great for brain health, and they're also loaded with omega-3s like DHA and EPA, which our brain really loves. And that's why a lot of times um, there's a lot of studies too connecting fish oil and uh, significantly reduced risk of depression. So fish oils are really good as well. Wild blueberries are loaded in antioxidants and polyphenols. So those are great. It's a great snack. Sometimes I eat them frozen as like a little ice cream, or sometimes I mix them with some uh, chunks of organic coconut because then you have a fat and then you have the blueberry. So the healthy fat kind of blunts the the sugar in the blueberries a little bit. So you have a better glycemic response. So we have the wild caught salmon, greens, uh, walnuts. They look like a brain. So that's really easy to remember, but walnuts are good for the brain and cacao. Cacao is really loaded with a ton of antioxidants and polyphenols, but we want to make sure that we're choosing 70% dark chocolate or higher. So that's, in my opinion, a great snack and something indulgent that we can enjoy. Um, Turmeric is uh, really good too for brain health because it's an anti-inflammatory. So um, the curcumin and turmeric is great. So using that up for seasonings is amazing. You need to have it with black pepper. I heard you need to have turmeric with black pepper or is that not so it can increase absorption um with the black pepper so if you're doing like a gt shot or something then yeah sometimes it's they'll add black pepper in there sometimes i do like a ginger turmeric shot every day that's kind of how i get my turmeric and then i also take a supplement called brain curcumin so where i'm going with this and, and the food and one of the potential reasons why our mental health has shifted so far um is because it is literally, you know, the input and it's changed so much. So what we're eating has a major influence on mood and our, you know, cognition, brain fog, things like that. Because if we have inflammation in the body, then we'll have inflammation in the brain. And that can lead to a lot of different, um, you know, ailments in terms of cognition. So food is a big one. I would say sleep is another huge issue. Um, sleep is so incredibly important. It's certainly one of the most important pieces of brain health because when we go to bed at night, and it's also the quality of the sleep. So the, of course, general recommendation is seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And that, that can range based on your activity level, your age, things of that nature. But the quality of sleep is also really important. So I use an aura ring. Um, there's a lot of different devices and you don't have to measure your sleep, but what that enables me to do is check my levels of deep and REM sleep, which are the most restorative phases. So we have deep sleep and then we have dream sleep. So when we're sleeping, 
our bodies activate our brain's lymphatic system, which is the cellular waste cleaning. So it goes in and, and it cleans up kind of everything that we need to clean up from the day to keep our brains healthier, to reduce the chance of beta amyloid, which is connected to Alzheimer's um, accumulating in the brain. That's one really part. Also, while we're sleeping, our brains sort through all of the information that we're given throughout the day. And it's kind of deciding, you know, what are we going to keep? What's important? How do we store it? So memories are stored. Um, and it's just an, a very, very important part of optimal brain health is to get really high quality sleep. And these days, there are so many things that are keeping us up, whether it be stress from work or, you know, Netflix. I talk about this all the time, but I mean, Netflix will steal your time. You know, one more episode equals one less hour of sleep. Additionally, when we don't sleep well, a variety of things happen in the body that make it more difficult to be healthy the next day, more difficult to be more creative. So our blood pressure can be higher. Our um, mood stability significantly decreases with even one night of poor sleep. And I think that we can all attest to this and we can feel this in our body. So if we don't sleep well, we're going to be irritable. We're going to be less uh, creative. We're going to be more inclined. Our, our hunger hormones actually go up. So we'll be more inclined to either overeat or crave things like carbs because those can definitely, and, and processed carbs a lot of times can give us that quick energy or like sugar rush. But then of course, we're going to drop down and crash a little bit later. So sleep is, is another huge component of why I think, you know, this trajectory is not so great. We all know what it feels like to get, or I hope everyone knows what it feels like to get a great night of sleep. You wake up, you're energized, you're motivated, you're, you're more likely to stick to your um, healthy habits because you, you have better cognition. So that's definitely a part of it. And then of course we can't, we, you know, we, we, we would be remiss not to talk about what we've been living through in the past two years. And you know, there's been so much negativity and I, and I understand that, you know, we needed that to a point, but the way that our brains work and there's a concept called neuroplasticity and that's the idea and the miraculous, um, the miraculous thing that our brains will look different today than they looked yesterday and they'll look different tomorrow than they do today. So what does that mean for us on a practical level? So the inputs that we give our brain, and if we're, you know, consuming a lot of negative media um, via news, or we're looking at a lot of negative content on social media, we have toxic relationships in our life, we don't like our job, all of these negative inputs, if we think about neuronal connections, the negativity and the, the inputs for negativity, those neuron connections get stronger. So the more negative that you think, the more negative you'll continue to think moving forward. So everything that I do in my life, whether I'm watching a show or I'm watching the news or I'm consuming content on social media, I think, what is this going to make my brain look like tomorrow? Is my brain going to be better because of this content or is it going to be worse? So on the flip side, if we have a lot of positive inputs, you know, we have great social relationships and connections at home. And we follow all great creators like you, you know, and that's putting out positive content, then we're going to wire for more positivity. So we do have a lot of control over, um, you know, the way that we think tomorrow based on what we do today. Mm -hmm. And think about all the kids on TikTok right now. I was talking to my boyfriend about this yesterday. We we're just, we're watching a video on like just some crazy people on TikTok. <laughs> it was a YouTube video. And we were talking about it after just thinking, how is this society today? How 
are these kids just like in TikTok world all day long? It is exhausting. I actually have have not gone on TikTok in probably over a month. And I've stopped posting on there just because I haven't been on it. It's just that, that is there something with your brain seeing quick, shocking content over and over and over again, where it just like numbs you? Because if I'm on social media too much, I feel numb. Like my brain is numb. My body is numb. I don't feel alive. And my theory with life is that I want to do more things that make me feel alive every day and less things that make me feel numb, whether that's eating like crap, too much TV time, too much social media time, um, negativity, getting in a slump. That's the numbness. But I like feeling alive where I'm like meditating and feeling the energy in my body and walking and going outdoors and being in love with life and feeling and consuming only this more blissful, calming content in my life, whether it's online or offline. So I'd love to ask you, what is the effect on even like children's brains, but more of like the general population's brains when it comes to uh, content life on TikTok, where it's designed to just grab your attention and then you're addicted to the next, to the next with this whole cycle. Absolutely. So we have a neurotransmitter called dopamine. Um, when we are constantly excited, dopamine has uh, a lot to do with the reward system in the body. So it gives us that drive and motivation to pursue something and then we receive the reward and then we want to do more of it. So with social media in general, TikTok, Instagram, these videos, we're constantly getting, we can, I guess, call it a dopamine hit throughout the day. And when our dopamine levels spike, our bodies naturally want to be in homeostasis. So therefore, we're going to have a little bit of a slump after we kind of get the dopamine hit because it wants to maintain. So we're constantly, we're, we're essentially rewiring the brain, the way that we're, our brains work. We're reducing our attention spans because we're not staying focused on, on one topic matter. We're so used to consistently getting something new and fresh and exciting. So it's certainly impacting the brain on, on many levels levels, but dopamine is a really big system that's involved with why we want more. And we're, like I said, overtaxing that system in a way that we never have. So I'm excited to see what the literature says over time, but it most certainly is making substantial brain changes right now for all of us on social media. Mm-hmm. And and you can cortisol feel- levels go up because mm-hmm. you know we're always connected. There's a lot of yeah you know um, impact on our bodies and on our brains from all of this social media use and constant communication and constant influx and almost like activation of our sympathetic nervous system, which if we're we're watching things that are really exciting or cause a little bit of anxiety, if you're following a lot of people that maybe you want to compare yourself to, that's that's uh, stress inducing, you know? So it's adding on top of our already currently high stress levels by continuing. And I always say, If you follow anyone in real life or on social media that doesn't make you feel good in some way and you constantly want to compare yourself to them, do yourself a huge favor and just unfollow them. Unfollow them in real life, unfollow them online, whatever it is, but your mental peace, you absolutely have to prioritize it. Mm -hmm. Also, Mimi, if you look at, in addition to that, the way that lifestyles are built 
today, you know, not only are our kids significantly up on social media, but things like diabetes, I mean, diabetes is one in three right now, and it's primarily type two, which is a, a lifestyle contributed type form of diabetes. And it can actually be reversed with lifestyle changes, uh, type two. But, you know, now kids are, are developing all these diabetes and chronic diseases that typically we wouldn't see until much later in life. But it's a mix between being addicted to the phones. And this is another, as we go back to why do I think all of these, you know, mental health issues are occurring right now? You know, kids are very sedentary. As a society, we are so much more sedentary than we used to be. Exercise is one of the most potent brain boosters that you can have. So it boosts brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is like miracle grow for the brains. We now know that we can actually grow new neurons, which is incredible. Um, it boosts serotonin, which is usually known as our happiness chemical. It boosts dopamine. It boosts blood flow to the brain. And blood flow, when we talked about the spec scans, is so incredibly important for brain health because you get better oxygen delivery, better nutrient delivery. So it does all of these incredible things for the brain, even just walking. You know, I aim for 10 to 15,000 steps a day just to, again, keep that blood flow boosted and try to do it outside because we're so vitamin D deficient as a society. And um, getting some sunlight in the morning is an incredible way to boost your circadian rhythms. Therefore, you'll actually sleep better at night. And we know so many people, kids and adults are struggling with sleep, but getting a little bit of sunlight into the eyes in the morning without shades on or anything like that for like 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the lux in your area. But even if there's overcast, a lot of people say, oh, it's not sunny where I'm at. Even overcast is better than none. But there are so many vitamin deficiencies, nutritional deficiencies mixed with the influx of negativity and stress and changes, you know, it's just really leading us down a pretty scary path. Mm -hmm. And it really seems like all of the things that you're saying, it's simply to bring it back to simplicity and to what we're supposed to do as human beings. It's like the things you're saying aren't radical get out in nature more, move your body more, eat foods that our ancestors used to eat. It's it's just bringing it back and shedding off the layers of what the world has become, which is a lot of fake food, a lot of fake media, news, everything like, you know, just on your phone, it's not real life scrolling past everyone's highlight reels, little moments that have been edited to grab your attention. It's all fake. It's fake, fake, fake bringing it back to what's real and pure and like how our ancestors used to live. So that's so simple. It, it doesn't have to be hard. And I like these, you know, these, these actionable tips that you're giving because it doesn't have to be hard, which is such a relief for a lot of people. A lot of people find overwhelm in getting healthier and, you know, wanting to prevent issues down the line. And I feel like it's just so much more simple than so many people think. Absolutely. And the, some of the most potent things, we can call them biohacks, but really it's just going, like you said, back to ancestral ways and, and the way that our body, you know, was used to being treated before we kind of created this entire, entirely different reality where we stay inside all the time and we wear shoes all the time. I mean, grounding and being in nature, um, you know, you have all of these energetic frequencies from the sun and from the ground and from the 
water. We're missing out on so much of that. And there are a lot of benefits to going outside and grounding, just sitting on the grass, making contact with the earth, walking on the beach, going into the water. This can improve our heart rate variability, which is uh, HRV, an aura ring or a whoop can measure it, but it's basically, it's a measure of stress on the body. And we have so many different stressors from, you know, the foods that we talked about, the lack of sleep. There's these little tiny things that you can do on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. Obviously more often is better, but it doesn't have to be anything wild. It's just, you know, get sun in the morning, get fresh air, go on a walk, um, get really good sleep. And also it's, it's important to consider the, how you're thinking too, because our thoughts as human beings, you know, we can um, actually impact our biology. So we can recall something that happened maybe 10 years ago. Our body doesn't know if it happened right now or if it happened then because we can induce the same chemical reaction in our body. So when we ruminate all the time on things that happened, you know, many years ago or just are ruminating in general, it can create inflammation in the body. It sends our cortisol levels up. It does so many things. So it's also really important to, and this is something I've been getting so passionate about recently because health is so much more. We can, you know, eat the salad or grass-fed beef or whatever. We can take the supplements. We can be eating for our bio-individuality. We can do all of these things, but we truly can't achieve optimal health without also taking into consideration the quality of our thoughts, our mental health, because all of that makes a significant impact on our physical health. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I feel the exact same way as you as a meditation app owner. I, this is what I'm, I, I am obsessed with learning about is how our thoughts create our reality, how our thoughts can literally change our physical bodies. It's so connected. And I'm excited about all the science coming out about all of, you know, the, the mind body connection work so many people are doing now. So tell me what you think, like how much can our thoughts impact our physical world? Not just ruminating on past thoughts, giving us anxiety and causing inflammation in our body. What is it like to visualize a future that you desire and really living it. Cause in my meditations, I, I, I get people to feel it in their body, like visualize your desired future with your body. And for me, that's what has created the life and the body that I now have, I believe is, is through that type of work, but it's a lot harder to prove. I'd love to know your thoughts on, on how our, our, our thoughts create our destiny. Yeah, this is a great question. And, you know, there is quite a bit of research and data on the quality and your thoughts impacting things like sickness, chronic disease, things of that nature. Um, you know, I'll we'll have to dive in and see if, if there's any like kind of uh, actual study links between our thoughts and manifestation and what our future could look like. But what I can say is from personal experience and what I believe. So everything else we kind of talked about is very backed by science. These yeah. are the things we can do to improve our brain health. But um, without a doubt, because I'm a living testament to this as well, you have to envision yourself where you want to be in detail for it to be effective. Because the amazing thing is, is that the only thing holding you back from your dream life 
is your thoughts, your thoughts about yourself, your self-esteem. I say this in a couple, in a post that I make every now and then, but we cannot outperform our level of self-esteem. We cannot draw to ourselves more than we think we are worth. So when you, when you don't, if you don't believe that you're worthy of the perfect life, you're never going to do what it will take to get there because you don't feel like you deserve it. And I've actually been dabbling and I'm going to share some of this on my on a podcast and on my page, but I've been dabbling in a little bit of hypnosis as well, um, which I find really fascinating and is really now being pretty um, widely, I think, accepted by even the neuroscience community, um, whereas the name sometimes could be maybe a little off-putting to some people. But um, it's really all about, yes, getting past these limiting beliefs um, because once you do that and once you can kind of get out of your own head, the sky is truly the limit. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say that because I hypnotize myself daily. (laughs) Oh, I I, love that. Yeah. Well, but not, there are many different, I guess, levels of it. I'm actually currently getting certified in hypnosis as well. Um, You know, I'm a meditation teacher, not all my meditations at all. You know, only a very small amount of them get very deep. My meditations are a lot shorter and they're just designed to change your state in a short amount of time. Um, But yeah, I, I do some of my longer meditations in the morning that that these days I have been more so that get you into a state of being so far out of reality where I'm just designing my future. And that is when my energy significantly changes where I'm, I literally feel like a different version of myself. And when I get into that state, cause I've manifested my whole life and, and, you know, I, I believe in, I don't know what, what the exact science is either. I've studied Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. I've been to loads of his workshops. I know he explains it very well. Bruce Lipton also uh, explains it very well. Um, I'm also in the process of reading the book Mind to Matter by Dawson Church. Very good book. He explains it very well. I am not a scientist and I'm not very good at explaining it, but I know there is backing to it to an extent in the whole quantum physics world, but it's, it's no coincidence that when my energy is aligned with what I want, I pretty much always get it. And it's because I practice this work, I truly believe. So I'd love to know your thoughts on how much of what we create is with our will and our thoughts and how much is matter to matter, because that's something that I don't know yet. And there are things that we know are not healthy like eating processed foods, but how can, like, can our, our energy shift that in, in some way? Like, I, I've just, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I'm just, this is something I'm trying to discover at the moment. Um, I, I do feel my best when I'm eating very clean and healthy, but I just want to know how impactful is your brain? It's, it's incredibly impactful and there's even, you know, some studies. Um, so yes, we know that eating really healthy foods is a big part of achieving optimal health, but there's even, you know, studies linking childhood trauma. And if you reach a number of there's, there's like eight different markers. And if you reach at least four of them, the, 
the percentage chance of you getting something like depression significantly increases. Same thing even with heart disease. So we know that trauma and emotions in a negative sense significantly also can impact our health. And that's not to say that we can, we can't change that because we certainly can with based on epigenetics, you know, our current personal inputs, we have a lot of control over our health destiny. But I mean, I do fully believe that energy is such a big part of, in terms of achieving what we want in life and having the life you're saying, manifesting your ideal life. I think it's, it's absolutely a, a crucial part. And it's something that I'm currently, you know, I've been very, um, into how can we improve the physical structure of the brain? Are there any biohacks that can help expedite that? But this new energetic field and Joe Joe Dispenza, I'm a big fan of his work, um, you know, is a great resource for that as well. But it's definitely something I'm I'm really interested in as of now, because I know it works because I've done it. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of, you know, people that I really respect too, like Jim Quick, he's a good friend of mine. He talks about all of the time, you know, um, limiting beliefs. And once you can get past that, you can really just go off and do anything. And I think that, you know, things like your meditation are a great way to get there. But I think that everyone, if you want to try to, um, you know, get rid of limiting beliefs, sometimes you have to work on childhood trauma, which is currently like what I'm going through the processes I'm going through. Because like I said, when it comes to neural networks, by 25, we're pretty much like a finite set of systems running in the bot in the brain. And so any um, you know negative event, adverse event, or even happy event that happens to us, we're going to respond in the same way. So if we grew up in a really negative household, and let's just say we felt we had to protect ourselves with like a shield kind of, that's how our brain is still going to function. So those behaviors that maybe were serving you at like seven years old or 15 years old, you probably don't need them anymore, you know, at 25 or 30, but you're still operating like you are that, you know, five, six, seven year old needing to have these protective mechanisms, unless you go back and you really heal that trauma. So I think that's a big part of it in combination with, you know, manifestation and deciding what type of life you want, but you truly have to feel it, you know, because like I said, our bodies don't know the difference. So if you want to feel loved, don't wait to feel love, feel love now. If you want to be successful, don't wait to feel successful, just feel successful now because our body doesn't know the difference. It's all the thoughts. It's all the stories. Our entire life is made up of the stories that we tell ourselves. And can you change your story from your past to make you the hero? Can you change your story to find some big strength in that? Um, and can you, the story of your future, it can be anything you want, but you just have to think about it in detail and then create like small action steps to actually get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And other than meditation, do you have any other tools you use to change your thought patterns and to rewire the brain? Absolutely. And I think we should touch base on meditation a little bit more because meditation is also a great brain anti-ager, right? So, okay. I uh, should use this. (laughs) Yes. So, um, so in studies, meditators versus non-meditators, the meditators have more gray matter in the brain, which actually decreases. So as we get older, our brains start to shrink. And so we want to keep them as full as possible. So meditation can increase the gray matter, which is incredible. It can also increase the cortical thickness of the hippocampus. So the hippocampus is involved in memory and learning, and it can actually increase the 
size of. I actually just had um, a brain scan and my uh, the thickness of my hippocampus is really strong. I'm in like the 97 percentile or something. So those are important metrics to look at. Um, and then also it can start to decrease the size of our amygdala, which is our stress and fear center. So these are all really powerful, but definitely meditation is a really, really good, like I said, brain longevity tool because it'll keep the brain younger. Mm-hmm. So that's really great. Um, is there anything else that I do? Yes, Absolutely. Meditation is a big one. And I also like to, especially if I'm doing a longer meditation, I like to do, there's a neurofeedback. So we'll include a couple biohacking sprinkles in here. Um, there's a neurofeedback device. There's two on the market that I'm aware of that's at home. There's the Muse and then there's um, also something called um, neuro calm, or sorry, focus calm, but that measures some of the brain activity um, in your meditation. So I like to be as efficient as I can. And so I use that for measuring brain activity. And another thing that I like to do is gratitude practice. So I always say you can't be grateful and hateful at the same time. So when you sit down, it has to be more than just writing down some things that you're grateful for to get it done, right? That doesn't have the same effect. You have to truly feel it. Like wake up in the morning, like, wow, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to practice my gratitude, but you have to truly feel it. Like it should be, you should be so happy. It's like breaking your heart almost, you know, like I get to wake up today and my, I can move my body. And at the same point too, If we can switch our mentality from an I have to to an I get to, I think that's such a game changer because I have to meditate. That's not fun. I get to meditate. Like, thank thank goodness that I have this opportunity that I have a safe space to do that. Um, Gratitude is a big one. And then literally carving out the time to do these manifestation sessions because we all kind of have an idea of where we want to be, you know, okay, in five years, I want to be here. I want to be doing this. I want to be living here, this kind of partner. But unless we get down to the nitty gritty details of what that looks like and how it actually feels to be that person, we won't necessarily be a disciplined enough to kind of stick with our plan, but B, we, we just won't have the same emotions around it. So definitely sitting down, being super detailed. And this is exactly how I want my life to look and feel and how I want to interact in the world once, once I get there. It's so inspiring and exciting when you do it. When you sit down and whether it's writing it down, making a plan, I often record voice memos to myself when I'm feeling inspired, explaining what my future is going to feel like and be like, it's, it's not work. It feels so good to feel good and to get excited. And I think there's this perfect balance between feeling grateful and in the present moment, and then also striving for more. I really believe that as human beings, we are goal seeking creatures and it's fulfilling for us to be working towards an accomplishment. But then at the same time, we need to make sure to stay in the moment and to to be grateful, deeply grateful for how far we've come, where we are right now, and not feel resentment for our past or any, you know, adversities we might have faced. So it's really that sweet spot that's living in the present moment and also striving for more. I personally think that's the best way to live. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. And we definitely are creatures of progress. Human beings want progress. 
in any in any area of life, in all areas of life, from your career to your personal life, growth is something that's so natural, but you make a great point that enjoying where we're at in this moment and having true gratitude, not just uh, jotting down, you know, okay, I'm happy that I have a house and some friends. It's like feeling those emotions is so yeah. important. Totally. So before we finish off, Kayla, I'm going to read some questions that we got on Instagram. We can do a little quick fire session yeah. if that's cool with you. Um, all right. So someone says, someone asked best tips to prevent Alzheimer's. Um, I'm worried about my grandparents. Love them so much. <laughs> That's so cute um, and very important. So definitely best tips are quality sleep. Um, there's a lot of connection between lack of sleep and, and Alzheimer's and, and um, beta amyloid accumulation. So good diet, um, exercise, and we really want to focus on improving blood flow. So do all the things that improve blood flow, like moving your body. Um, there's also some interesting uh, new studies coming out about hyperbaric oxygen and potentially um, halting Alzheimer's and starting to restore memory. So I do hyperbaric oxygen a couple times a week. It significantly increases the blood flow. It's also a great tool for anyone that's ever had a concussion or a TBI because it can actually really, really help heal the brain. So definitely all the basics like sleep, good diet, um, you know, making sure you get enough omega-3s is really important for brain protection. Um, but also if you are getting to a stage in life in which you're actually starting to get concerned about this or having any um, cognitive ailments, then you might want to consider looking into hyperbaric oxygen therapy as well, because it can be a really powerful tool. Great. So next question, kind of on the same topic of sleep, how many hours a night should I sleep? Yeah, it's really about the quality. So they say seven to nine, that's the standard recommendation. But if you um, are healthy overall, and you can, you know, get really high quality sleep, like I usually get, if you can get like two hours of deep and an hour and a half to two hours of REM, you're looking pretty good. So in anywhere in that wheelhouse, and if you have some type of wearable, it'll give you a little bit of guidance, but seven to nine hours is the general recommendation, but it's really also quality is very important here too. Is there such thing as too much sleep? Because sometimes if I don't have my alarm on, I'll oversleep like 10 to 12 hours and feel groggy and like mm -hmm. my brain doesn't work well. What is that all about? Yeah, there's actually studies stating that people that sleep over 10 hours on a consistent basis. So if you do it every now and then, um, it, it's not obviously detrimental, but if the studies say if you're sleeping over 10 hours on a consistent basis, there's most likely an underlying condition as to why you're doing that. So that can actually be linked to lower or decreased uh, lifespan. Mm -hmm. So we, you really want to try to stay within that. And consistency is everything too. Um, if you go to bed at the same time every night, you're going to have a much easier time going to bed. And a couple of sleep packs that I'll give that might be really helpful is alcohol. It's, it is neurotoxin. So I know we've really tried to find ways that alcohol can be healthy in the wellness space, maybe because they say resveratrol or something. But first of all, you would have to drink about five gallons of wine to get the amount of resveratrol that would actually be beneficial. So you can just take 
take a supplement if you're um, concerned about resveratrol, but it also it significantly impacts your sleep. So when I got an aura ring like four years ago, even when I would have a glass of like organic biodynamic wine um, or a couple glasses, my sleep score was cut like in half. My HRV was cut in half. And that's all that I needed to, you know, I knew the science and then you see the data right there in your hands. So um, don't have alcohol if you want to have a great night's sleep. Uh, keeping the room cool. So when we go to bed, our bodies actually drop down about a temperature or a degree or so um, because our bodies start to cool. So I keep my room around 65 degrees Fahrenheit because if you're waking up throughout the night because you're too hot, that's also going to be problematic. Um, of course, the blue light blocker. So I use the red blue light blocking glasses like a few hours before. The orange yellow ones are good for the daytime, but the red ones are really good for the evening hours. But that will start to also induce um, the release of melatonin or the production of melatonin, which helps us sleep better. Making sure our magnesium levels are optimized. Magnesium is something that, again, uh, a very large portion of um, Americans are deficient in. So we want to make sure our magnesium is optimized. I take a, it's called bio-optimizers because it has seven different forms. So if you're deficient in one form, then most of the time you'll be deficient in others. Um, also not eating too close to bed. So I try to stop eating at least three hours before bed because if you're digesting a big meal right when you go to bed, you're not going to get into those deeper stages of sleep because your body is going to be otherwise, you know, room. Like I can't see my hand in front of my face when I'm in my room. So I have either blackout shades or um, there's like blackout paper, um, making sure that there's none, none of those little blue lights in the room, like on devices or anything. Switching off Wi-Fi. So EMFs is another big thing I talk quite a bit about. As you see, I have the wired headphones. I see you have wired headphones on, but we don't want to be sending Bluetooth signals through our brain the entire day. So I definitely lose friends when I say this, but the AirPods, in my opinion, belong in the trash. And that is, I have them. I know. And I saw that post of yours and I use them just when I'm working out. Mm -hmm. So for like a half hour a day, I don't know if that's still, I I still, I mean, of course, you know, exposure, the limit, because some people are wearing AirPods all day long. Some people say that they sleep in them. (gasps) And then of course, if you Google, it says, oh, it's non-ionizing and it's not harmful. Just know that like what I'm saying now will be talked about in 20, 20 years, that it is not a beneficial thing. So I know, at night, I, I, actu- yeah, I, yeah. I actually um, unplug my Wi-Fi completely from the wall, phone on airplane mode, because we want to really have sleep as like a sanctuary for us to um, restore our bodies. It should be a really deep time of recovery. So no EMFs in the room. Um yeah, I think those are the majority of my tips. Um, I, of course, you know, like to try to get deep quality rest without supplements, but there are a couple supplements like GABA inducing supplements that can start to, um, you know, slow down our racing thoughts in the evening hours. So uh, that's really, that's really kind of my top tips on sleep. Very good. Um, so someone here asks, what do you eat in a day? Like an op- an optimal what I eat in a day for health. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I need to work on a little bit is diversity because I always kind of go to the same meals, but I'll walk you through a day of what I eat. So in the morning, 
I eat, uh, and I eat twice a day and I have a smoothie. So in the morning I have, um, some organic, uh, you know, pasture raised eggs. I have a protein, which is either this morning it was wild, uh, caught smoked salmon. And then I have a little bit of green. So I have some arugula and that's uh, covered in olive oil and sometimes a little lemon juice. And then, um, so I have the, the greens, the eggs, the protein, that's a really nice mix right there of, of protein and protein is the building blocks for neurotransmitters. So ensuring that we get enough protein is really important. Then I have a smoothie and I load it with so many incredible things. So the base is always uh, wild blueberries. I add in like athletic greens powder. I add in liver actually. So I like cut liver up into like little tiny things, make it into cubes. Liver is one of the most nutritionally dense foods on the planet. Um, Add some of that in there. What's that? It tastes like anything? Liver doesn't taste great. I'm going to be honest. Um, It depends on the preparation. So there's a couple things that you can do to make it taste better. First of all, there's not a ton in here. And I can also take those little cubes that I make and have them as like a supplement. I just swallow them. Um, And then there's also, of course, you know, liver supplements that are actually desiccated and dried, but um, I prefer the the whole liver. So, um, and I also have the smoothie after I have the other parts of the breakfast and I'll tell you why. So for blood sugar stabilization, we want to have the the protein and the healthy fats first. Oh, and I have some avocado. So avocado, greens, and then those two protein sources of the eggs and the salmon. That's my breakfast. I eat that first before the smoothie because the protein and the healthy fat will actually help to um, blunt the glucose response from the smoothie that I'm going to have with the, the organic berries and things of that nature. And then smoothies are just a great way to load up on a bunch of nutrient dense stuff. I put like some colostrum in there. I put, um, I really work out a lot. So I work out like five to seven days a week. I put some creatine in there. Creatine also is a really incredible brain booster, great, um, for the brain. And of course for, for some muscle growth. So I have the smoothie. That's usually my breakfast. Sometimes I have a bulletproof coffee before that. Um, with some MCT and some obviously organic lab tested coffee. Coffee is actually loaded with antioxidants and polyphenols. I just did a podcast yesterday with Dr. Gundry and he's talking all about mitochondrial uncoupling and the benefits it has. So um, coffee is also a great mitochondria uncoupler. Um, so coffee with MCT oil and a little bit of um, butter sometimes mixed up. So I have that. Then my breakfast like around 1130 or so. And then for dinner kind of ranges. Sometimes I will actually do sardines. Sardines are really uh, nutrient rich food as well. I mix it up with a little bit of avocado mayo and I make it almost like how you make like a tuna or chicken salad, but with sardines, a little bit of like onion in there. And you can do like a couple pickles over like a bed of lettuce. That's one option. And then I of course cover in some olive oil as dressing. I'm not a big fan of traditional dressings and sauces because they sneak like a lot of stuff in there. So usually I just do something really simple like apple cider vinegar and olive oil or or just olive oil and a little bit of lemon. Um, And so I get a lot of protein, some greens again. I also am really into wild meats right now. So I do have meat as part of my diet. It's a pretty prevalent part, but I, I, of course it's, um, regenerative grass fed grass finished, but I've been eating like bison and elk 
And so sometimes I'll have that in the form of like a patty with some avocado, um, with maybe some even sweet potato, um, just kind of depending on the day. I usually have more carbs and I also get my carbs too from fruit as well. So like, um, blueberries, mango, and I always try to have it with the meal. So it's blunting the blood sugar response, but I think fruit is a perfectly healthy part of a diet. So that's pretty much what I do. A lot of wild fish or grass fed and grass finished meats with some vegetables, um, some carbs in there. And I usually do more carbs on days that I have a more intense workout. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I have never tried liver and I know everyone says it is a superfood. Maybe one day. It certainly is. And, you know, there's also, I've been eating these liver chips. I mean, those are really easy for on the go, great for flights, um, but they taste way better than regular liver. And I think it's an acquired taste. Maybe I just don't notice it as much anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you know when I try it out. Mm-hmm. In the Bahamas, I don't know if there's anywhere good to get some grass-fed liver, but when I'm in the States, I'll grab some. <laughs> let me know. And I can send you some tips too. Because if you like soak it in um, like raw milk, for example. I heard about um, Yeah. Yeah. It actually cuts down on the taste. So it's all in the preparation. And then there's also like ancestral blends of different, um, like it'll mix beef with liver and yeah. like, like heart liver, all these different things in one patty and that you can pretty much make like a burger, you know, and yeah. it, it actually tastes really good. I, Dr. Mark Hyman has a great recipe, um, for this like roasted red pepper sauce. So I do that over the burger and with these carrot fries, um, are, it's incredible to be honest. Wow. That sounds so good. Well, Kayla, you've inspired me and I'm sure so many others listening today. Thank you so much for coming on. I loved meeting you and I'm so happy that we've connected. And yeah, where can everyone find you if they want to follow your Instagram and learn more about what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. My Instagram is just my name at Kayla Barnes, K-A-Y-L-A-B-A-R-N-E-S. I also have a bunch of articles. I have a podcast as well called Brain Biohacking with Kayla Barnes. I interview a lot of experts on um, everything from functional medicine to optimizing athletic performance, brain health, and so much more. And then in my website is also my name. So it's Kayla Barnes, K-A-Y-L-A-B-A-R-N-E-S.com. Mimi, I can't thank you enough for having me today. This has been a wonderful conversation. And um, I hope we get to meet in person soon. Absolutely.